and welcome once again to another episode of Robo Luchador Rebirth. I'm your host, Russell, and while I would love today to talk about the end of Digimon Adventure Tri, which aired in Japan this weekend and on Crunchyroll for those of you with subscriptions, there's an elephant in the room I really think we need to talk about. For you podcast audio listeners, I have an Infinity Gauntlet. That's what you don't see. But yeah... Just uh, put that down over there. <clears throat> Freedom! Uh, we need to talk Infinity War. Like, I can't not talk about this. Like, I got by not talking about Black Panther because I didn't see Black Panther due to personal reasons, not because I don't like the movie or I didn't like the prophecy in the movie. Black Panther is one of those characters who's been a hard sell for me. It's not the character. It's the nation of Wakanda. Hi, we're a technologically advanced people that is a hundred years beyond the technology current standards, and yet apartheid still happened in South Africa. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yes, that's my problem. If Wakanda exists in the Marvel Universe, there never should be even a reference to something like apartheid or, or, the, or the country of South Africa. <laughs> uh, but that's neither here nor there. We need to talk Marvel. Uh, I'm going to end this with a spoiled review of the movie. Uh, be warned, I'm not going to, like, not spoil the film. Like, there are some things I need to talk about. Uh, theming, um, references to what books. Like, what books should you read if you want to kind of get an idea from where the movie's coming from? There are three. Uh, two of them, I believe you can get with Comicology Unlimited. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, and I need to talk, like, Marvel's story structure and how this, this is probably, plot-wise, their second worst movie, but because of how grandiose it is, and how much character there really is to this film, it doesn't feel that bad. Like, and what I mean by plot-wise is there's really no plot to this film. And that's, sometimes that's a bad thing. Like, for Civil War, it was a bad thing. Civil War had no plot. And, okay, correction. Civil War, if you took a, the broadest stroke of a plot, it was superhero fight. And the broadest stroke for this one is bad guy wins. Sorry about that, but if you haven't been on Facebook and seen the numerous things of Did Thanos Kill Me? Ooh, by the way, I'm still not sure if I survived that or not. My phone says it did. My tablet says otherwise. <laughs> but that's beyond the point. Like, I can ramble on and on about the impacts of this movie. It, like, plot-wise is super simple. Bad guy gets super MacGuffins and wins. Good guys lose. This is great. This is the first six issues of a 12 issue. <laughs> of a huge 12 issue. Event comic. And that's, how, and that's how this feels. And I guarantee you. Of the two next MCU movies coming out. Ant-Man and Wasp. And Captain Marvel. We know one of them is a guaranteed tie-in film. So we get our tie-in books, too. 
Um, God, how do I go about explaining this one? It's not easy. Um, I guess I should start explaining this as to why they've mismarketed this. Um, Disney and Marvel have marketed this as a crossover movie. And while crossover movies exist, Civil War being... I'm always going to come back to it, and I don't love that movie. I have no love for Civil War. Um, Civil War is a crossover movie. Avengers Infinity War, or as I'm just going to call it, Infinity War, is not. This is an event movie. This has specific movies that build into it. This, and because of that, it is bigger than just a crossover of these characters. And while, yes, it is a crossover and they are amazing, amazing when done right, and not for the sake of being a crossover, <sighs> boy, howdy, can um, crossovers be fun? But this is not a crossover. This is an event. And let me explain to you why it is an event. One, there are lead-ins. There are several lead-ins to this event. And I don't... And I mean, they're long. It starts with Cap... Like, roughly you can probably say it starts with Iron Man 2. That's a stretch. It starts with Captain America. Regardless. Um, I have a list somewhere. Let me find it. It starts with Cap. I will always say it starts with Cap. Trying to remember this list off the top of my head is hard. And I had it written down. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I had a tweet saved and I can't find that tweet. Um, it starts with Captain America. Uh, moves into Avengers. Because that's the big one. Let's see. After Avengers... It's... Definitely Thor the Dark World. And Guardians. Cap, Avengers, Thor, Guardians. Avengers 2. Avengers 2. And then uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, other movies tie directly into this quickly, but I can't entirely say which ones they're going... Like, like I can't entirely say they're absolutely necessary. All of these movies' primary themes are the Infinity Stones in some way, shape, or form. And that brings me to a problem with Marvel overall. Not just the cinema, the comic books. Marvel likes to use its MacGuffins. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But... Marvel likes its MacGuffins. The Infinity Stones, the Cosmic Cues, Jean Grey, to name some of the more popular ones. Like... I get so frustrated because in lieu of good writing, they'll just <laughs> MacGuffin. Boom, a MacGuffin. 
boom and MacGuffin. Like, the whole Captain America thing. While I thought this was going to be a good and interesting story in Secret War... Uh, excuse me. Um, Secret War. It turns out that the Red Skull used the Cosmic Cube to create a fake cap. We'll let that sink in. Like, that's my problem. Like, Marvel storytelling lately has been lazy. That, and they are canceling books left and right, and it's weird. Like, and it's scary. But, it's Marvel. Um, back to the movie. Um, I guess I we should talk about theming and, like, its relation to the comics. This is not a direct This is not an adaptation of any known comic. Uh, the closest it gets, and like I said, there were three, um, to any adaptation of any book is it pulls thematically from Thanos Quests Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity. Um, and I can tell you why here in a minute. So, there are some characters in the movie who sadly never get named. Um, they're just considered more of... More of, uh, man, more of, uh, his, more of Thanos's uh, like, children, like, um, Gamora and... Trying to find them here. Brolin. I can't remember, but Thanos is essentially the group that works with Thanos um, are essentially from Infinity. That's that's where Infinity comes from. Uh, he sends them out in that book to gather the Infinity Stones on Earth, who are, at the time that comic released, they were in the hands of the Illuminati, and no, I don't mean Beyonce and Jay-Z. Um, it pulls heavier them thematically from other books. Um, from the 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 journey Thanos's journey and gathering the stones themselves that comes straight from the uh, Thanos quest and the goal and some of the character motivation and plot come from infinity gauntlet in which that book Thanos in trying to impress death the woman he loves 
sets out to ca- use the Infinity Gauntlet to wipe out half the universe. But in doing so, he raises himself to the status of a god, and thus above death, and death cannot recognize him for that. And he does some shitty stuff, and <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but, yeah. Um, but that's a lot of where this comes from. A lot of the character motivation is explained in that book, especially for Gamora. It's revealed that Gamora is his daughter at the like in the epilogues of the Infinity War. Um, adopted, yeah. So let's talk about characters and why this movie worked. There are three that are very important, and two of them sub for other characters in the comic. Thematically, it does follow Infinity War very well. The heroes are fighting Thanos' forces to prevent him from gathering the Infinity Stones or using the Infinity Stones to wipe out half of humanity. Or half of all life. Um, in doing so... In doing so, they took some liberties. Because, one, Adam Warlock has not been introduced, so they removed him. Instead, they put Doctor Strange in his place. And Doctor Strange actually works just as well. Because Strange and Warlock are... The only difference is location in most ways. Except, Strange... uh, Warlock, at times, has been willing to... Kind of go that extra mile. And... Well be like like that extra mile and be that darker character whereas that's not something Stephen Strange would do and you see that from Strange in this movie as he doesn't let Tony die but uh, Strange acts as Warlock he figures out how the best to defeat Planos Planos, the best plan to defeat Thanos and sets that all into motion Never tells anyone else the details, because at the end of that movie, he admits that this is the right way. That they're getting there. Um, The other odd character replacement is Gamora replacing Death as a love interest. And it's a different love interest. Uh, Thanos actually loved her as a daughter and was proud of her. Whereas, with Nebula, he tortured her. And even in the book, he tortured her. And that's shown. Like, it's horrible, but it's shown. Um, I'm curious where this is going to, like, how they're going to get to Endpoint. But, and the, the replacing Gamora as that and making her the sacrifice for the soul stone um really builds thanos's character which is one of the things this movie has been building is thanos's relationship to his children how most of them are weapons to him um gamora is not but nebula the uh black order that's the name or the yeah the dark order the black order one of the ones, all of the, the those people, their names are used for 
wow, Thanos has been in a lot of crossovers. <laughs> um, but all of those characters have been, uh, have their names all have to do with something in black. Like, the word black. Like, it, or darkness, like, all their names have it. Like, Obsidian, uh, Nero, stuff like that. All those words mean black. Um, but it changes pretty heavily from that. Like, this movie gave Thanos a lot of character. It's about Thanos. Hell, even at the end um, of the credits, it says Thanos will return. It doesn't say the Avengers will return. Because guess what? There isn't any. All right, so let's talk about the movie in proper instead of like focusing on the characters and what they did what's going on here how is this movie telling a story well the movie essentially follows three to three and a half plots um some storylines cross some don't uh the first plot line in the main plot line for the story is thanos gathering the infinity stones he tells you where they are, he interacts with others trying to stop him, and he already has the Power Stone, which he tore through the Nebula, uh, the Nova Corps to get. Um, he already has Nebula in custody, which he uses to find out the location of the Soul Stone, which apparently Gamora's known since the first movie. Um... Excuse me. Um... And um, it eventually ends with him having all the stones, even fighting the Avengers momentarily. Um, and losing. But only do but only able to then pull victory out of nowhere due to one instance of just... of the hero thinking he's won. And it's one of the best moments in the film because he just looks at Thor and goes, you should have put that in my head. And you would have won. Because they gave Thor a better weapon. They gave Thor an axe. I'm, I'm not calling it an axe. It's not an axe. It is the ultimate hammer. It literally is, like, it looks like the ultimate... Um... It looks like the ultimate Molnir. The only difference between this is he now channels the lightning through him, so it does he doesn't need the hammer for that, but the hammer can open a bifrost. Mm, but they killed that character. Oh yeah, can we talk about just the massive amount of superhero death in this? Like it's excessive. It starts off pretty bad. Uh, there are four major characters in the beginning and two of them die, and one of them uses the last of his strength to send the Hulk away. Both Loki and Idris Elba's character Heimdall are killed. And Heimdall manages to free the Hulk. And the Hulk does not show up for the rest of the movie. And it is literally one of the worst... This is... Okay. Out of all the movies that have had the Hulk and have used... Uh, the Hulk. This is the worst performance out of... Why am I 
so bad at pulling names right now. Um, Mark Ruffalo's worst performance as the Hulk. It, like, it's a terrible. Um, and even the CG when he's in the Hulkbuster is bad. Yeah, they put him in the Hulkbuster. I mean, it was a smart move. He wanted to do something. Tony has a big suit of armor designed to stop the Hulk, and it didn't. Anyone who's seen that movie knows it didn't. <laughs> and it never will. Um, it was real weird. Um, we do... Like, there are some very horrific deaths. Literally half the cast is gone by the end of the movie because after being killed, he does that. And that's how the Thanos plot wrap, wraps off. He is sitting on a, like a small campsite or a makeshift home on a, 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 I guess a barren world or at least a virgining world because there is, we don't see any life on it watching the sunrise. Like he said he would throughout the movie. Um, the next story follows roughly follows Stephen Strange and Iron Man as they are brought directly into this conflict to protect the time stone also see Spider-Man brought in and they eventually cross in with a second team of the Guardians. The Guardians eventually split up for Thor's story. And I'll get the Thor story, the Thor slash Rocket story here in a minute. Um, but that story has a lot more to do with Gamora. Because they lose Gamora, starts with Gamora, loses Gamora, then catches up with that on Titan. Thanos' homeworld, which is now gone. Because Thanos warned them, we don't have the resources to survive unless we wipe out half the planet. They told him that's genocide, and then the entire planet died. And he felt, well, he felt vindicated in his proposal. Because guess what? They were wrong too. Um... So this plot roughly follows Iron Man, um, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man meeting up with the Guardians uh, at this point who are Peter Quill, Star-Lord, um, Drax the Destroyer, Man and Mantis. Nebula shows up too at the end. And I'm not sure. I think Nebula survives. Like, out of all of that, I know it's only two survivors. I can't remember if Nebula survives that. Um, there is a lot that don't. And I've got the list in front of me of everyone who does die. So... So they lead into that. They eventually fight and then fail to keep Thanos from doing it. Thanos is about to kill Iron Man, who is spending armor at this point to try to stop him. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite armors in the film because it's the nano suit. It is something he played with and then like didn't keep in the move in the comics, but it was a great idea. It it's a lot more robust, thinner suit, less heavy, and it. It's very modular. It can create anything. Wings, weapons, whatever it needs to. Um, yeah, so we we lose that. 
Um, then, then we move to the, the Avengers story. The Avengers story mostly follows, um, them protecting. Starts after. It starts after Tony and Steven are removed from the universe, and it follows the former Avengers that are now enemies of the state because of something that feels like it has literally no consequences if you've watched Spider-Man. The Scovia Accords. Yeah, I have so many problems. So many problems with Civil War, and one day I will sit down and talk about them. But I will have other people on this show to keep me from just screaming how much of a garbage movie that is. Um... But beyond that, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but beyond that, uh, this uh, follows the Avengers as they try to protect Vision from Thanos's vanguard, the Black Order. Um, and they're attacked. The uh, they're interfering. <sighs> Black Widow, Cap, and Falcon intervene. They get out of there. They go to Wakanda to protect it, but they go to Wakanda with um, Rhodes. Rhodes brings them back into the Avengers Mansion and everything, and they set up for the final battle, this huge land battle uh, at Wakanda's borders. It's amazing. Uh, one of the things that was explained to me, and I agree, is... Um, Oh, hey, I've been getting it right. It is the Black Order. Uh, one of the things that was explained to me before I saw the movie by a friend who'd already seen it was uh, they really document how each character fights very differently. And it's true, they do. Um, this leads into the battle for Wakanda where most of the battle has been a ploy to lure... to lure Wanda away from the stone because Wanda has actual... Because Wanda got her powers from the stone, she actually has the power to defeat the stone. Yeah, that's something we're going to go into, because the Mind Stone was used by Hydra to give Pietro and Wanda Maximoff their powers. Those same powers actually reflect the powers of other Infinity Stones. Pietro became fast able to move like Pietro's speed could be a representation of the space stone Wanda's ability to alter probability the reality stone so I'm just throwing that out there um, but um, and to mostly remove her from them because eventually it would get bad enough to where she would need to assist thus leaving vision unprotected uh, it goes on. They've, they even destroy the stone. They even destroy it. The problem is they destroy it in front of Thanos after he's gotten the time stone. So he just rewinds time around Vision, brings him back to life, and then pulls the stone from his brain, leaving Vision dead. Though the stone could probably have been removed safely without killing him, that wasn't Thanos' goal. <laughs> um, and that's how that story kind of plays out. The last story is Thor's story. 
which is, again, kind of part of the Guardians, kind of not. I feel bad that the Guardians don't play a major part. They do, but only when Grimora's involved. And then when Grimora's removed, she's in part of Thanos' story, and I'll get to her in a sec again. Um, but Thor's story. Thor heads off to the Dwarven Forge, uh, which I love how they did this, but I honestly feel like they're typecasting. They still keep with Norse mythology. The dwarves do forge most of the best weapons in the world. They head to the Dwarven Forge. It is a dying... It is literally a dying star. They have to reignite it. It almost kills Thor to reignite it. He gets his new hammer. Groot and Rocket went with him because Rocket was like, oh my god, these were where the best weapons ever are made and I have to see them and oh my god, weapons. And is it wrong for a raccoon to have an erection? <laughs> um, and he calls him Rabbit the whole time. It's, it's funny play on things. This is... And it's weird because this is not the Thor we've seen in the last Thor movie. This is the Thor we've seen in four other films, i.e. both Avengers movies and the first two Thor films and is a better portrayal of the character. Don't get me wrong, I love Thor Ragnarok. I love it for how dumb and fun it is. I don't love it for being a Thor movie. I think it's a terrible Thor movie. I think it's a great space comedy. Um... That is bookended by a Thor movie. Um, and um, we see that they eventually use the hammer to uh, Bifrost to this. Uh, I have a problem with one casting. But they made it funny. The dwarves are not dwarves, they're giants. Just smaller giants. Um, and they casted uh, Peter Dinklage as the dwarf. You heard me. They casted Peter Dinklage as a dwarf. That is the worst bit and greatest bit of typecasting ever. It's funny. It's wrong, but it's funny. Um, again, all this culminates in that battle on Earth for the Mind Stone. The Mind Stone's the last stone he gathers. Thor puts an axe in his chest, and just as they think they've won... Thanos snaps his fingers, wipes out half the life in the universe, and disappears. And of our heroes, that list includes Bucky Barnes, T'Challa, Groot, Wanda, Sam Wilson the Falcon, Mantis, Drax, Quill, Strange, Peter Parker, leaving Iron Man, Nebula, Bruce Banner, Mabuku, I am not even going to try and say Oki. Rhodes, Rocket, Rogers, Romanoff, and Thor left alive. And in the post credit scene, we see both Nick Fury and Maria Hill die to this. But before they can, they transmit a, <laughs> a insignia of a, of a star on a red and blue background. I wonder who that can be. Uh, that would be Captain Marvel. Um, so, let's talk about this movie. Was it good? Yes, it was very good. It was a really good event movie. It was not a crossover. It is an event. It is not over yet. That's why it is an event. It has a direct sequel that will have consequences. And I'm about to spoil the end of that sequel. Someone else will get their hand on the Infinity Gauntlet. 
and they will reverse everything. It is the worst ending ever, and it is the ending that comes from... It is literally the ending from the book Infinity Gauntlet. I hope we get an answer as to why Hulk would not come out. Yes, that's another problem I have with this film. They turned the best character in the entire Avengers lineup, the Hulk. The most compelling character from moment go in any continuity into a fucking coward. And I'm sorry I cussed there, but the Hulk is the strongest one there is. I'm a little mad. Uh, like, because it would be the, this half transformation, which was so cool. He would scream no, and then nothing. Again, and another problem I have with how people adapt the Hulk. It's two personalities, not two people. He's both a thematic creature for the, for the nuclear deterrent. And of multiple personality disorders. read a book on multiple personality disorders. They don't talk to one another. There are rare occasions when they're aware of the others, and Hulk has been aware of Banner, and Banner is aware of Hulk. And sometimes they have memories of what the others do. But they don't talk to one another. That is a whole different form of psychosis. Um, but my problems with how the Hulk's portrayed in this film are regardless. I think it's going to be interesting. I think the post credit scene in Ant-Man and Wasp is going to lead into the next movie. Uh, I think it needs to. I don't like Hawkeye not being involved, but I do agree with their reasoning. Hawkeye and Ant-Man were not included in this for two reasons. One, I think the actor who plays Hawkeye did not want to come back for another movie, uh, or they couldn't like get him back there's a there's a behind the scenes reason for that that i do not know um and at the same time this was being filmed ant-man and wasp was being filmed and they would have rather had ant-man in that and the reason to remove them was they took a deal as so it would not harm their families and that's true like it's established that clint barton in the movies has wife and kids He's a much more down-to-earth character than Barton is in the books. Um, and same with Ant-Man. Ant-Man in the comics, this version anyway, was family first, always. So I'm very curious as to where those movies are going to go. I might talk about them later this year. I definitely want to see it. Ant-Man was one of my favorite films of Phase 2. And Phase 2 ended on the sourest note Ever for me. No, Phase 2 didn't end with Civil War. Phase 3 began on the sour note for me. Um, so, yeah. Uh, um, it was good. I If you're a Marvel fan, watch this. If you're a fan of big action sequences with grandiose powers, watch this. If Thanos was your favorite character in the comics, this guy right here... Um, yeah, go see it. Uh, it's worth it. It It's definitely worth it. Every time. It is... It was a fun superhero romp, which is what it should be. Is it over? No. 
the is is it intriguing to figure out how they're going to get to the ending? Yeah, I want to know who puts the glove on and says everything back to everything back to the way it was, because I think it's going to be Tony, and I'm very curious about that because they made early on when Tony fights. When Tony fights Thanos, Thanos makes the comparison. He's like, you're a lot like me. You should really be on my side and agreeing with me. And Tony's like, no, no. And they bring up something in the movies that I think a lot of people skirt over is Tony's been afraid of this since movie one. When Tony went into the portal and came back... And the fact that his arc reactor is based on the energies from the Tesseract. Tony has some weird connection to Thanos. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and where it goes from there. Um, Like I said, it's a good movie. It's a fun romp. I enjoyed it. I am running longer than I wanted to run with this, so uh, we're going to end it here. Um, I want to thank everyone for uh, listening and watching. Um, and uh, we have a Patreon now, and I'm going to pitch that real quick. The podcast has finally hit the stage where if I want to keep up with this, I've got to start forking out money. And I cannot... I can, but... It would be of a really, really huge help if I could get some, like, I know this is asking for a handout, but I just to the point where I couldn't, I can't do this show without something coming back to me and the time and work it is right now to get to this is hard. Um, I don't think I have anything higher than a dollar right now on the Patreon. I would have to look. Um, but, yeah, we have a Patreon. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's patreon.com slash roboluchador. Uh, links will be in both the audio description and are below this if you're watching live on Twitch. So check that out. Um, again, thank you everyone for coming out and listening. And I will see everyone next time. Bye-bye.